0: We've been in the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We've been getting to know Jesus better this summer. And today, there's three words that I believe Jesus wants to give you as a gift. That you would receive these words from Jesus. The first word is truth. Everybody say truth. Joy, Joy. Peace. peace, Jesus wants to give you truth, joy, and peace this morning. I really believe that he's going to give them to you as gifts, and that you are going to receive them, and that his word is going to change and bring about a change in your life. I want to start just with joy. I just, I can't wait to get to joy. I got to just start there. Look at verse 22, John 16, verse 22. The last phrase in that verse, no one will take your joy from you. Everybody say no one. No one. No one will take your joy from you. Say that. No one will take your joy from you. That's a phrase we can hold on to. That's a promise. No one, nothing. Now the reality is there's a lot out there that's trying to steal our joy. That's what it says. That somebody is out there going to try to steal your joy. Take it away from you. But this promise that Jesus gives his disciples is that no one, nothing, no one will take your joy from you. Nothing, no one, no matter what comes at you today or tomorrow or this week, nothing can steal your joy. That is a promise from Jesus that we are to hold on to. No one, absolutely nothing. Now, the reality is is that there is a lot that is trying to take away our joy. I mean, if I'm honest this morning, there's a lot out there where I would... It's a struggle to be joyful. I'll just say it that way. There's a lot that's trying to take away my peace. But Jesus promises peace. I mean, there is a lot to be anxious about, a lot to worry about. And truth, we need this word truth. There is a lot of deception out there. Well, Jesus gives these three words in the context of, To the disciples, they were in the upper room in John chapter 13. uh, Jesus washes their feet. This was a week before Jesus was going to die. So after that, then he goes down into the Kidron Valley and he speaks John 14, incredible words, John 15, abiding in him. And now he speaks, and at the end of John 15, he tells them that they are going to have trials in their life that there is going to be hardship and that it's not going to be easy. And he continues these words as he's going up to uh, the, the the Garden of Gethsemane. He's taking his disciples up there to the Mount of Olives. And in the middle of this, he's still staying on this theme of tribulation and hardships. He says in uh, verse 1, chapter 16, I have said all these things to you, to keep you from falling away. That's the purpose. He doesn't want them to fall away. He knows that they are going to have hardships, that there's going to be temptation, that life isn't going to be easy, but the purpose he's telling them is to keep them from falling away. Then he says this. This this He's just telling them what will happen. Verse 2. They will put you out of the synagogues. He's saying they're going to kick you out of there. The synagogues was the place to hang out at the time. It was, it was the everybody who's anybody is in the synagogue, and you're the cool person if you're in the synagogue. It's saying they will kick you out of there. Now, nobody likes being an outcast, right? Nobody likes uh, getting pushed away. And this is what is going to happen to the disciples. They're going to be pushed out of the synagogue. And then it says, indeed, the hour is coming. Now, when that says hour is coming, it means it's near, it's close. And it says, when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Can you imagine? Not only will they get kicked out, not only will they not be accepted in society, but it says that they will get killed. Their lives are on the line and not only are they going to get killed, but they're going to be killed by people who think that they're offering service to God. So they have motivation to kill these people. The disciples. This is the people that Jesus loved, the people that Jesus invested his life in. He's telling them, people are going to come after you. Life is going to be hard. Yes. And in the midst of him telling these things that are hard, he gives the disciples three words, truth, joy, and peace. Yeah. These are three words that we can hold on to no matter how hard life may be for you in the coming week or in the coming year. You can hold on to these truths that are that are true. The first thing that Jesus gives is truth. He, he talks to them and he says that uh, these things are going to come from the beginning, and then he promises the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible uh, Trinitarian passage here, where he tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to he's going to help them. See, Jesus is going to go away; he's going to be exalted, but. Jesus will come, and he says uh, the Holy Spirit will come. And in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he's promising this Spirit, and later on in verse Thirteen. If you look at verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So Jesus is going to leave and the Holy Spirit is going to come and the spirit is going to guide us into truth. And it tells more about the Holy Spirit's amazing pneumatology here about the Holy Spirit, verse 14 and 15, about how the Holy Spirit will not say anything different than what the Father is saying. And the Holy Spirit's not going to say anything different than what Jesus says. In fact, it will edify what Jesus says, and he will only speak what the, what the Father is telling him. So the Spirit is guiding them in truth. And what is this truth? Well, verses uh, 8 says that... ...and when He, the Holy Spirit, comes... ...He will, number one, convict the world... ...concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then He explains concerning sin. Sin is, is... He's talking about salvation. That everybody needs Jesus. This is the truth. Jesus is the only way to salvation... Uh, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short. There is sin in the world, but Jesus, the truth, died for our sins and he has broken the penalty of sin. That is salvation. But it doesn't just stop there, it says concerning righteousness as well. Because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. You see, the Holy Spirit not only brings people to salvation, but the Holy Spirit brings them through sanctification. It's where you grow in righteousness. And so they are growing in righteousness by the Holy Spirit. And then it says, verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judge. Ultimately, Satan has lost and Jesus will come back He will judge all people and those who believe in Jesus will be exalted. So you got salvation, sanctification and glorification and that is what the truth that we believe in. Jesus is the truth and he's telling them to be in the spirit and that the spirit will guide them into all truth. Now it is hard in these days to know what is true. There is a lot of misinformation out there it's it's i I would argue it's harder than ever to know what is the truth i mean uh there's so much different news i read the news and you hear four different interpretations of the event and you don't know who to trust it's just so hard I, i don't know if anyone's a star wars fan in here any star wars fans uh, the episode 9 was The Rise of the Skywalker. And um, in that, Carrie Fisher, she, if you watched episodes 4, 5, and 6, Carrie Fisher was younger and she played the role of Princess Leia. Well, then they brought her back in episodes 7 and 8 and she was Princess Leia. She was much older at the time. Well, they wrote her into the script to be in episode 9, The Rise of the Skywalker but she died before they filmed the, the movie. It's true, she died, but it's incredible, the digital cinematography, they, they digitally imposed her in, and she ended up being in the movie, throughout the movie, even though she wasn't even alive. You watch the film, you would think that she was really the actress in it. I mean, it looks so real, but it's really not her. I mean, you could give her an Academy Award and she wouldn't have been there to receive it. It is so, I just, now I tell you this because it is easy for there to be misinformation out there. Don't believe every video that you see scrolling across your Facebook news feed. Don't believe all the news things. Just because you see it in video doesn't mean it's true now i don't say that to say don't trust any of those things do your due diligence find out what is what is the truth out there look for those things but i want to call you to trust in something higher than the news out there trust in jesus as the truth as the one who gives truth he is above all truth he helps you to interpret truth and he helps you to discern what is true. You know, I think about what occupies the space in our heads. And so much of it is occupied by things we don't know about. I mean, if you read the news, it's like masks work, masks don't work. And you get all these different things. Don't let that, that who knows? God knows. But trust in Jesus above it all. Trust in his word. Trust in this. Let this occupy. Jesus has told me recently, he said, before you log on to Facebook or the news, log into this. Amen. Let this occupy more of your headspace than any of the other things that we don't know about. Amen. What do you share the most? Are you sharing misinformation? Or are you sharing the information, the truth of Jesus Christ? And it says that the Spirit will guide you in this. His spirit will speak to your spirit. And what does He speak? He speaks truth. Romans 8:16, His spirit speaks to your spirit that you are children of God. God is a speaking God and he still speaks today. Jesus said this in verse 12. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus is still speaking and he's speaking by his Holy Spirit. One of my favorite things to do with my daughter Hannah is before we go to bed, we'll listen to God together. We'll just listen. To be honest, I don't do it enough. Every time I do it, I'm like, man, we need to do that more. But one of the most impactful ones came just a month ago, and I was putting her down to bed, and I was having a crummy day. I mean, it was a bad, bad day. And I said, Hannah, will you listen to God for me? And she said, Daddy, I didn't know we could do that. You see, normally she listens to God for herself. I said, no, you can listen to God for somebody else. And I guided her in that. And she said, okay, sure, I'll do that. And so we listened. And as we were listening, God spoke to my spirit. And God said, I love you, Stephen, and you're a good dad. God said that to me in my spirit. I heard it. But to be honest, I wanted to shun it away. I didn't really want to believe it. Because I didn't feel like I was lovable, and I didn't feel like I was a good dad. And without saying this or anything, I look over at Hannah, and she lights up. And she smiles, and I say, what did God speak to you? She said, Daddy, I heard God say that he loves you, and that you're a good dad. (laughs) And then the tears just (laughs) start filling me. The spirit of truth. The spirit. Let us seek after the truth. You see, I was under deception. I was hearing lies. I was hearing, you're unlovable. You're not a good dad. The spirit of truth. And he's speaking today. He doesn't contradict this. He'll always affirm it and bring it to life and apply it to you. The Spirit is a Spirit of truth. Seek after the Word. Spend more time in here, more time in prayer, more time listening. Let us seek after His Spirit who guides us into all truth. Jesus goes on from here and He says that I am going to the Father. He says in a little while you will see me, but a little while you won't see me. His disciples are confused in verse 17. Then in verse 19, Jesus uh, clarifies himself and and he tells what he means. And then he says this in verse 20. Truly, truly, there's the truth. I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he gives an amazing illustration of how a woman gives birth and there's pain, but immediately afterwards there's joy. And he's saying that so to you there will be sorrow, but then it will turn into joy and into rejoicing. In verse 22, he says this, so also... You have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. Rejoice is the verb of the noun joy. So you take joy and you turn it into a verb, an action, and it's rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice is unhindered expression, to God it's Desmond running around the sanctuary that's what rejoicing is and he says that you will rejoice you will rejoice and it actually it was fulfilled in John 20, 20. Jesus died and then he the, he was missing the disciples were scared they were scattered then they were up in the upper room and he appears and what does it say it says they rejoiced yeah. They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So this word was fulfilled. It said that they would have sorrow, but then their hearts will rejoice. And then it says the promise that I want each of us to receive this morning. No one will take your joy from you. No one will take your joy from you. Think about the context he's giving this. He's told them, people will kill you, but no one will take your joy from you. No matter what arrows are put your way, no matter who shoves you out in your life, no matter what hardships you go through, no one will take your joy from you. Everybody say, no one. No one one will keep your joy from you. Now, it's important to understand what joy is and what joy is not. Joy is not the absence of hardships. Joy is the presence of Christ. Joy is not the absence of hardships. I mean, this passage proves it. You can have joy in the midst of hardships and and pain... No matter what you face, joy doesn't all of a sudden appear when you're no longer going through your trial. That's not joy. Joy can be found in the midst of trial, in the midst of pain. James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, any kind. It's not like, oh, cancer, you can, you can uh, not have joy. in can- No, any trial. Yes. No matter b- how big or small it may seem, pain is pain, but you can experience joy in the midst of it. True. Joy is not the denial of pain or the thinking less of the pain. Yes. No, if somebody walks out on you, if you go through a divorce, that is painful. If your child dies, that is painful. It's not saying, oh, it's not that bad. And then you have joy. That's not it. No, joy is seeing the pain as this big, but having Jesus as even greater over that pain. That Jesus is greater than the terribleness of my life right now. That Jesus... And joy can overcome the pain that I have. It's not minimizing it. It's not denying it. It's recognizing it and having faith in Jesus over it. Joy is not given by a promotion. It's not given by uh, having the coolest house or the new car. That is not what, That cannot give you joy. It's not by moving to Hawaii. Oh, if everybody could live in Hawaii, right? Uh, then we'd have joy. No, that is not what it is. Joy is given by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the giver of joy. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It starts with love, then what's the second one? Joy. joy. Love and joy. The Holy Spirit gives you this fruit of joy that you can't contain. And it brings you through anything, and it's greater than any house. Or greater than any new car, or a a great success story, or oh, if I could just get this promotion. No, that is not, it doesn't, those things are good, but they don't compare with Jesus. They don't compare with the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, joy is not just, oh, I'll never die. Joy is life eternal and in eternal life. And the reason why Jesus could say, no one will take your joy from you is because Jesus will never die again. Amen. Amen. Jesus will never go away. Jesus died once and for all, and he lives eternally. So your job can be taken away. Your family members, they'll leave. Your uh, house may catch on fire. I don't know. But those things are all temporal. Yeah. Jesus is eternal. He will live forever. He's never going to die again. And then the second promise is those who are in Jesus will never die. Hallelujah. You may, you'll die on this earth, but... Read it for yourself, John 11:26 26 through 27. It says, he who believes in me will never die. Hallelujah. It's a promise. He who believes, if you are in Jesus, you'll go from life on earth, then when you breathe your last breath on earth, you go right into eternity. Yes. Where it will be perfect joy. Right now you can experience joy through trials, but up there, there's not going to be any more trials. No more faith, no more mask covering, no more coronavirus, no more wars. It's going to be eternal joy. And so you go from joy on earth to joy in heaven. Hallelujah. Forever. This is why no one can steal your joy. Nobody can snatch it away. Because you can snatch away my house, you can snatch away my job, but I got Jesus. And he ain't going nowhere. He's not leaving. No one can take away your joy. He is with you forever. Jesus said, uh, actually, uh, Hebrews 12, it says that Jesus endured the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. We can go, no matter what crosses we're carrying right now, whatever hardships, pains, toils, we got joy ahead of us, Hallelujah. and it's eternal. Amen. They can take my life; somebody can take a gun and say, "Do this," and pull it, and I'm going to heaven. Yes, because I believe yes. in Jesus. That's truth. It's not a I hope. No. This is I, I'll give my life for this. I know. I know it's the truth. And this is the truth that I want to focus on more than anything else in my life. And I want to give to other people more than anything else in my life. The truth of Jesus. That you can have eternal joy. Well, he goes on from there. And in verse uh, 23, he gives some great principles on prayer. Amazing. Verse 23 and 24. And he, he says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Who wants fullness of joy? I got a, It was read at my wedding, and we got this uh, cool verse plastered up on our wall in our living room, but it's Psalm 16, verse 11, which says, In his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore that I may have joy. I love that song, joy in the house of the Lord. Joy in the house of the Lord. Well, I want joy in this house, but I want to take the joy to my house too. There is joy when I'm cleaning stinky diapers. There is joy when my son wakes me up in the middle of the night. I mean, as hard as it is, like you get woken up. I, I can't stand getting woken up. And I try to punch Emily like, hey, uh, it's your turn. And she goes, no, it's your turn. And I go, there's joy when I go and worship my... We can have joy at all times. No one can take that joy away from me. No one. So he goes on and he says he's going to the Father. Amazing Trinitarian passage. He's going to the Father. And then these words in verse 30. Verse 30 and they finally get it at the end. He sa- they say, we believe that you came from God. Yeah. There's that word believe again. John's been 98 times throughout John. Believe. He's calling them to believe, believe. What is belief? Belief is not just cognitive. Belief is action. Belief is taking the step. It's going forward. It's trust in Jesus. You are believing. And so they finally say that they believe. And then at the end of Chapter 16, these words Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah says, Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus has all the peace. Jesus, I want to tell you something, Jesus is not anxious. Jesus has never had a fearful day in his life, and he's, never gonna, he's not going to start now. Yes. He's been at peace from the time well he's always existed in perfect peace. Yes. He's always existed in perfect joy and in perfect peace. Amen. And he's not going to stop today Amen. or tomorrow. He's got perfect peace. So he tells him, you will, you may have peace. But then this surprising phrase after it. I mean, this is shocking. In the world you will have tribulation. Yes. What? You just said peace. But I'm going to have tribulation? Yes, yes. and yes. You can have tribulation and have peace. Yes. You can have hardships no matter what happens to you or those around you, whatever's happening outside. Jesus says, in, well, God says in Psalm 23, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. You can be hanging out, lazy boy, peace in the midst of chaos all around you. Peace is not sitting at the beach. I mean, that is peaceful, right? I, I was at a lake, and it was just perfectly still. I, oh, peaceful. Yes, you can encounter peace there, but you can encounter peace when the kids are crying all around you. Jesus is your peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, and these... Awesome words, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's that word. Yes, take heart. Take heart. Jesus has overcome. John loves this word overcome. It's the Greek word nikeo. It's where Nike gets their phrase, but overcome. He uses it throughout Revelation. You will overcome. To him who overcomes. He wants to call you an overcomer. No matter what trials are coming up, no matter how hard that pain may be, he wants you to take heart because he is overcome. And the same one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Trust in the Lord. Believe in him. I've heard it say that anxiety is the symptom of misplaced trust. When you have fear in your life, because you're trusting in something that can be taken away. You're trusting in your in the stock market, you're trusting in your health, you're trusting in things that can that can go. But when you trust in the Lord, when you believe in Jesus, he cannot be taken away from you. So peace just like joy is not found through Houses and what you can get. It's not the absence of pain or the denial of pain. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus Christ. Just like joy. I want to tell you about one of my new heroes. Her name is Jane Mark Zewiski. You might know her as Nightbird. Jane... Mark Zewiski, she was invited on to America's Got Talent. Uh, She's a worship leader. She trusts in Jesus. She gets up on the stage. She has uh, real bad cancer. She's been given a 2% chance to live. She gets up on stage and she stands in front of Simon and, you know, the judges and they're grilling her, just trying to figure out who she is. They'd never met her before. And they ask her, uh, who are you here with? And she goes, I'm alone. And then they go, Oh. And then she goes, that's okay. And she's smiling. And then they say, oh, tell us about your condition. Oh, I've got cancer. I've been given a 2% chance to live. And they go, "Oh, I'm so sorry. And she, she says these words. She goes, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. And she says, it's important for everyone to know that I am so much more than the bad things that happened to me. She said that to the judges. Well, then she sings this song, and it's just, it, it's just incredible. Beautiful song. And after she gets done, the place is just silent. Like, normally it's like, yeah! But they were just, like, it was breathless. It was like, oh! And then Simon goes, wow! And then everybody goes, Yeah! And then the judges, you know, they judge her, and then somebody hits the golden buzzer, and the, the confetti falls down. And that means that you go straight to the final, and if you win the final, you get a million dollars. Well, the finals are coming up here, and unfortunately, she's so sick, she can't continue the competition. shes I mean, she, her life is really on the line. But she continues to have faith. And she continues to have joy. She was interviewed by uh, Chris Cuomo, who's an anchor for CNN. And uh, it was 10 minutes at the end of his segment, just interviewing her. And he's like grilling her, trying to just get some pity out of her. But she refused. Look at that face. She's joyful. I mean, she's just... So she says these words. She says... When it comes to pain, God isn't often in the business of taking it away. Instead, he gives his presence into it. He is more of a giver than a taker. He doesn't take away my darkness, he adds light. He says, he doesn't spare me of thirst, he brings water. He doesn't cure my loneliness, he comes near. So why do we believe that when we are in pain, it must mean God is far? She said this. Well, Chris Cuomo, she, he, he passes it off to Don Lemon uh, right afterwards, and he goes, that girl has something we don't have. He told that to the, That girl has something we don't have. And then he went on to say, I've only met two people in my life that have impacted me more than she has. Uh, you can think what you want about Cuomo. I know there's a bunch of stuff, but this woman, she had an impact. She had joy. We can have joy no matter what we are going through. Jesus wants to give you truth. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. Would you receive it? Would you receive it? I want to just lead us right now to receive from Jesus. To receive the truth that no matter what. Let's all stand around the room. Let's all stand here together. If you could stand. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you will go through, trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Receive the joy of the Holy Spirit. Receive the peace that he has to give. Hallelujah. Just hold up your hand. If you want to say, yes, Jesus, I I trust in you today. Lord, I've trusted in you before, but I renew my trust today. I trust that you have gifts for me. I put you first in my life. I put you above this and that. Hallelujah.